0: <laughs> Randall <laughs> when life gives you gives you lemons what do you do you make lemonade right we had a little bit of tech we had a little bit of technical difficulties tonight getting started up but here we are we're going to plow through and i hope you guys can can join in on the fun because we got a lot to talk about there's a lot of sports going on um so, 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 how you doing, Randall? You guys went late tonight, huh?
1: Yeah, chap. I just, I just now got to the house, and uh, I always stop on my way in and ch- uh, get a barbecue, uh, a bacon sandwich or a barbecue sandwich, and I choked it down, and we got yeah. on there. So, yeah, yeah, we went long, and uh, hey, why all of a sudden they cited nine thousand people to go to Walgreens at nine thirty at night? Hey. Didn't help my cause
0: yeah i mean it's i'll tell you it's weird um you know more people seem to be out on the road now and traveling more so, at least here in indy so you know i mean i, I guess that's good because uh, you know people are people are you know starting, starting to, to get back no to n- right right you know and the numbers look good i don't want to make this a political show by any stretch to imagine things are good march madness is coming right absolutely um, i tell you buddy it's kind of exciting because all these games are right here in the state where I'm sitting, and uh, I, I'm I'm telling you, I, I I you know they're talking about 25 percent capacity, and I want to talk take a second and talk about the Mountaineers.
1: Because Go I for it. Like
0: they're playing really good ball right now, right? Um, I think so. Big win against Texas. Um, you know the the, the that game was w- was really big. I'll tell you, the game Tuesday night against TCU was big. Um. You know, it, it, you, people take into account how far of a travel that is to go from Morgantown to Texas and to stay there all week during what they're dealing with with the large freeze and the state, you know, state of emergency there. That was a big swing for them, right? That was.
1: And, 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 and you know, we, we sometimes forget how much travel uh, WVU sports has. Yeah. I mean, they – they have nobody near them, but I, I, I. Strangely, I think it's still a good fit for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you. You know, um, I, I'm old school. You know that I, I miss. I miss the old Big East. Um, but but I'll tell you, I love being in that conference in both football and basketball. Um, the, the competition, even like I said, a team like TCU, they are. Um, you know, they have this the this, this sharpshooter. Um, it's, it's, uh, I can't remember his name right now. And then they got a big guy. They're a good team. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just in a really tough conference. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's a shame. It it was funny when, when they first talked about the game against Baylor tonight, Uh, of course I'm, I'm super excited. And then I'm thinking, how the heck am I going to do two shows when this game's on? Um, but (laughs) so it got canceled. It got moved back to Morgantown. They're just going to play one of them. um, on March 2nd, and to me, that, that has really big implications. What do you think?
1: I think so. I think uh, it's the first time you really get to see Baylor and West Virginia on the same court. Yeah. Um, you know, they've everybody's had to move their schedule around. I think when you're moving stuff around like that, it favors the more experienced basketball team. Uh, we're in the middle of that ourselves. You know, uh, Tennessee just found out today that they're going to play Florida March the 7th, after they thought their season would be over with. But it directly affects seeding. It's a game that has to be played.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a fun game as a fan because, you know, if you think about it, there there really is a situation where um, it's a confidence builder going into the, into the end of the year, going to, you know, when you play these guys a couple, you know, a week and a half later in a championship game, if you, you know, if WVU can beat Baylor, the last – Next to last game of the year. thats a And they're playing really well. That's a huge confidence boost.
1: It's the uh, – well, you know, we've talked about it, and I've held that, that Baylor and that Gonzaga was a different level all year. Right, right. If you win that game, you put yourself in the conversation with those three. Or no those one else two. has done it, right? Yeah, I mean, those are the elite. If you can yeah. go out and win head-to-head against Baylor, you then to me – become a final four type projection you know
0: well I, it, I think it bumps us up to a 2c
1: oh
0: absolutely and and you know I mean so the the thing the thing about West Virginia for me that's dangerous for other teams is the fact that they have they have the best three guards in the country in my opinion and McBride McNeil and um and Sherman <clears throat> they are lethal when it comes to shooting the ball, and you can't foul them, so I, I tell you, Tash Sherman's done a really good job of driving the ball to the bucket. And when he gets on the line, he he's an eighty-seven percent free throw shooter, I believe. It's money in the bank.
1: Well, you know, West Virginia. The difference in Tennessee. We've talked about Tennessee because I'm a Tennessee grad. Right. I'm still wearing all my orange. Uh, I think Tennessee has three great guards. They cannot shoot. Two of them are going to be top 20 NBA draft picks. Tennessee can't shoot the ball. And that's exposed in college basketball even more than the NBA. Yeah. Uh, You know, you've got so much you can do off of dribble and drive in the NBA. College basketball, if you're a good shooting team like West Virginia, you give yourself the old puncher's chance every single night. I think West Virginia-Baylor is a really interesting matchup. I want to see who wins at the port guard position. I think that determines who wins the game. And
0: and I and I'll tell you, um, the, the interesting part about that is if if you know WV's evolved into this, right? Yes. They've they, they've evolved into this and, and they're still kind of learning to play. Um but but you know the, the evolution of the offense – you know, it's the old-school NBA style. The offense for defense with Gabo Saboyan and Derek Culver, to me, is huge. The other part to that is it's interesting watching him uh, Huggins coach because in the first half, the first thing he wants to do is get, get Culver goal.
1: Yeah. Culver has
0: big first halves. And you know what that does? It works a couple different ways. First off, the team knows it's going to be a long game. They're going to have to be physical with him. And then the second thing it does is draws that defense into them, and it opens up those guards.
1: Well, and I think West Virginia takes on Huggins' pers- totally, personality. Totally. Uh, you know, they were down what fifteen the other night in the second half and won the game. Yeah, I mean that is the Huggins for. You know, I go back to those great Cincinnati teams that Huggins had. Not the most talented group. They had some really nice players like uh keon martin and a few players mm-hmm. but they were always super competitive played great defense and i'm going to tell you after They're watching tough. watching wvu the two things that i like is <laughs> toughness yep and they have a 12 to 15 foot jump shoot game which yeah. is dead it's i mean how many teams can shoot I, I i mean everybody jacks it up from three but yeah west virginia's got a nice elbow game
0: yeah, and, and and it's it's I'll tell you, it's funny you talk about Tennessee not being able to shoot. That was the that was these same three guards last year. It just takes a little maturity. Oh. I think a lot of times these freshmen come in and they try and force it.
1: Well, and the, our three guards are a three five star guards, a true freshman, two of them, and a true sophomore, one of them. Yeah. All three of them leaving for the NBA. I've really learned this year what's in this this team, and because it was a. I want and done kind of team. I got a little more respect for Calipari and what he's done at Kentucky most yeah. year.
0: Yeah,
1: it's hard to take those freshmen and put put together a, a a team. Huggins does it the right way, in my opinion. This feels West Virginia feels like Villanova a couple of years ago. Shut you down when they need to. Three great guards. Villanova won a national championship with the same combo.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because it's definitely different, right? Because they gave up 53 points in the first half against Texas. But then in the second half, they gave up 30-something. So they—they, they, it's not like they're going to shut you down the entire game. But when they need to, they're going to put the clamps down. They'll run with you until they won't, you know? Yep. So it, it's fun It's fun watching them. And, you know, its I'll tell you, it's – it's fun watching the Big 12. Uh, and, and that brings me on to my next point. Um, I think it's pretty clear that the two best conferences in the country are?
1: The Big 10 and Big 12. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're in agreement there. So, you know I like to talk about tiering. We talked earlier and we said Baylor and Gonzaga are one and two. They're pretty clearly one and two. Yeah. Is Michigan three and is it a clear three?
1: No, it clouds up to me big time. There. Okay. Even tonight uh, they,
0: they whooped up on Iowa.
1: Yeah, I, I know, but I just Michigan has made the case and it's clearer, clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. but I still when I it's the eye test, Chappie. Yeah. Baylor and Gonzaga since day one of the season has been yep. dominating.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh Michigan. Who's in a tier with Michigan, Randall? I want to say I want to say that. Um, God, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, well, who's the fourth one seed? Uh, uh, well, as of this week, it was Ohio State. That's they were the number fourteen. Yeah, they were the number fourteen. And that's who I keep wanting to say that's in this tier with Michigan. And they just got, you know, we all, they were losing
0: to Michigan state a minute ago.
1: And then I thought Houston was a tier there, but they're not. Yeah. They're, they're clearly not the team. I thought they were, I I will tell you the team that I just keeps playing better and better and better. and, And I think that's Alabama. Uh, you know, Even though they lost
0: to Arkansas the other night.
1: Yeah, that's a good loss though, in my opinion, watching I, the game. Um, but yeah, it's it's still not Michigan. Uh so it, does Michigan move up or are they a tier of their own? Uh so
0: I'm cheating. I have I have the ranking. I just pulled the rankings up. Okay. Um Gonzaga one, Baylor two, Michigan three, Illinois four.
1: Not uh, uh, Michigan's a better team in Illinois in my yep. opinion.
0: Iowa five who they just beat. See, this is where there's a lot of bias for me, right? Houston six. Uh, Houston just lost. Sorry, this is wrong, brother. Hold on one second.
1: That's that's some funky. I wish to. I didn't get yeah. to charge my other phone. I'm down to one tonight.
0: No, you're fine. Yeah, this oh, was, this. So this is the. Let's hey, go through this it. It's the Yeah, no, so okay, yeah, just to get to a point. I think Alabama's the fourth team. And I think you're right. I, I so I think the SC I you know, the SEC is the underrated conference here, right? You look at teams like Arkansas and Missouri and Florida, and there's a lot of talent there. You know, I mean
1: I I, I like I like Arkansas and Alabama. And and yeah. you know, we kind of yeah. you asked me to prepare something, and I, I really think Arkansas and Alabama are the elite of our conference right now? Uh, I think the third. I think uh, I think Missouri and Kondo Martin at Missouri is a former Tennessee mm-hmm. coach. Plays great defense. I worry about Missouri in the tournament if they have to score, because you know you're going to have to play every kind of game at some point in the tournament. Right. I, I worry about Missouri getting in the game with uh, someone they got to score with. And I, I'll be honest, with Tennessee being a six seed, I fear it's a one and done because you're going to catch one of those Drakes or one of those really good mid-majors. or And that five and six seed is horrible. I really think Alabama and Arkansas is the two-team from our conference built for the tournament.
0: But I see here you think they're a two seed.
1: I think Alabama is a two seed. So who's but, the four, who's the fourth one seed? I don't have a clear answer to that.
0: There is a, a clear answer, and I think that's the point, right? Who? who so, uh, so it's wide open. I, I mean, so uh, to me, anyone in the top ten or eleven have a
1: chance. Yeah, uh, uh, somebody were forgetting about Virginia. Where are they at in the current? Virginia's
0: ball? falling. They're fifteenth. I mean, they're wow. fifteen and five now.
1: They've had lost, a couple
0: tough losses. Lost to NC State. I knew. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to post a picture on here. I guess I can't.
1: Well, just read off the top ten. Let's see. Let's. let's yeah. So,
0: right. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State. And again, these are okay. Let's not do that. Yeah. That's let's awesome. come back to that. Let, we're forcing it. Uh, but I, I think it's, so. Okay, we can still talk about this because it's important. Yeah. So let's 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 massage it like this. Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten, pretty clearly. Okay. Baylor's the best team in the Big 12. Yes. So that next tier, right, that next tier for both of those leagues, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State, um, and the next tier for the Big 12. West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, um, Texas. Which one of the, so which, which group of that second tier has a better chance to beat that top team?
1: Okay, so let me, let me, twi- I see where you're going now. Let me twist this a little different. Yeah. I think Michigan in that whole conference is elite. Um, and, and I agree it's the second best conference. But I will take the next level of the Big 12 over the next level of the Big 10. That's the and, point, right? And here, here's why. I think that I, the one thing I'll get out of watching Big 10 basketball, and I'm not selling Ohio State short, I really kind of like Iowa. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Iowa
1: to me, uh, that would be, if you were asking me for a team that could make a run in the tournament, it would be Iowa over yeah. Ohio State. Uh, I like Illinois. I thought yes. Illinois – and Baylor, early in the year, was a great matchup. But that same Illinois team got whacked by Missouri. So Illinois is capable of laying out some. But the athletic, the athletic, the overall athletic ability of the Big 12, I think, is greater than the Big 10. Yeah, I think the depth is a little better. I love Oklahoma. I love West Virginia. I really think, if you were telling me, if you want me to pick the final four teams, I think I would give you Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, and a Big Twelve team. Yeah. Not sticking to a name, yeah. just a Big Twelve team. And and, I, and I, out of that group, I think Alabama is the best SEC team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, but Arkansas, I think, is a close second. Right? Now. I do, I do. Uh, I think they could, though. That they, they could make some damage and we're forgetting about there's a level right underneath that jappy of like some of your old friends on the the Big East yeah. and some uh, and that's where the Houston yeah. of the world fits right. into me um, <laughs> that are capable of making a final four but i clearly think that the Big 12 if i was going to lay my money on a conference having more than 3 teams in the elite 8 or at least three teams, it would be the yeah. Big Twelve. Yeah, I agree.
0: I agree, and, and and it's not. So the thing for me is when it when it comes down to crunch time, um, the big, you know, the, the tough games against the elite competition, they're going to be more physical. They're going to be a more disciplined contest.
1: Yeah. I, I- And I think the tournament plays to that not – the Big Ten is, to me, I still have the image of the half-court offense. And that's a lot of what happens in the Big Ten. Yeah. The Big 12, as you said, West Virginia, 52-35. Yeah. Kind of multiple styles there.
0: Yeah. Well, and and so I guess just to to wrap this whole point up, I just feel like there's a misperception – in the rankings. I feel like the, and I think they're really good teams, the Ohio States and Illinois. Um, uh, they're a little overrated in the rankings. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, the, the point of that is, is the big 12 didn't play a whole lot of, um, of, of non-conference games. So where's right. the proof? Yes. The
1: records are better, but who have they played? Right. I And, and I think uh, I've kind of threw that out about the SEC that, that you know they've kind of beat up on themselves you know let's take florida for example florida is going to be probably an eight seed out of the sec got a huge win against wvu earlier yeah, in the year and look good and look good uh but they're a barely above 500 sec team right i, I don't think the sec team has elite teams right. other than maybe alabama then arkansas and then two through six or three through six are the same team. You know, not you know, – six can beat three any night,
0: but – Capable making a run, but
1: right. lacking
0: some – Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I can't believe we're this far into a, a basketball conversation and the ACC has kind of just disappeared off the map for us. <sighs> yeah. I, I mean, it, and it's tough to really
0: kind of point at a team there because – I think what you're seeing in the ACC is a lot of, um, you know, Duke's getting hot. Duke's getting hot. <laughs> That's the one thing. Yeah. I, I mean, so some of these, so it's starting to like normalcy, starting to creep back in a little bit. You know, the North Carolinas and the Dukes are starting to make their presence felt. And um, I think it's that, you know, the, the Virginia thing, I just is a think is a case of they're not as good as they were billed to be early in the season. And it's three in a row that Virginia's lost. So
1: they're a good team, but they're not
0: that good. They're, they're not,
1: they're a bubble top 10 team. So let me ask you a question before we get off the subject, because we've kind of went, we bounced around it and actually saved the segment a little bit there. But I think we finally got to what we're looking for yeah, the overall yeah. depth, the Big 12 is. The one thing that I'm struggling, uh, and I, I believe it's who is Cinderella this year? Oh man, do you, do you have Cinderella in your head?
0: Um, uh, you know that's that's a great question. We've talked about it quite a bit, right? Um, I, I keep going back to Belmont. Uh, v,
1: think- VCU's
0: in my mind. Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> going back to earlier in the year, and I got to check and make sure these guys aren't terrible. South Dakota State was really yep. good. Drake um,
1: went on a huge run. Yeah. I think they've kind of cooled off.
0: Um but but no, I guess, you know, gun to head, I I I I'd probably go back to, to uh to Beaumont.
1: Uh I think they can be Cinderella. I also think um maybe somebody were were a, a mid major that could be Cinderella yeah. is is maybe that Florida team we talked about? That's probably going to be a oh eight or nine C That's yeah. Going to
0: I, I mean, if we're, if we're going from that perspective, I
1: yeah. I give mean, me
0: Oklahoma. Give me Oklahoma State all day yeah. long.
1: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. all day long.
0: That team with K Cunningham is the best player um, that nobody really knows about. I mean, <laughs> he's not, he's kind of flown under the radar, and he's really good. Now he still makes freshman mistakes but he give him the ball with time running down and he's going to make something happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm going to throw one name from the uh, you know that may not be a, and this is not this is not a Cinderella. A team I think is built for the tournament we never talk about is USC. And um the one thing I like about USC is they have the one dominant center Probably the best center in college basketball right now in Evan Mobley. And I, I really yeah. think out that way, besides Gonzaga, they're the one team. I really like Belmont, though. Yeah. And, but the thing about Belmont, and I want to say Mercer, too. The thing about those schools, seen them. they can be great, but if they don't win their tournament, they're going to be out. Right. So it's so yeah. hard to find them. Uh, and I don't know if Creighton's still considered a, a Cinderella, but – you know, they, early in the year, I love Creighton, and they've just kind of let me down.
0: Well, and that's what, you know, they're, they're, there's not that real, you know. Um, again, Drake's kind of falling off. Um, you, you look at, the, you know, some of these other teams. I, I think, to me, you know, another team that strikes me is, is if St. John's
1: can get going. Absolutely. I I too I kept. <laughs> thank you Chappy. that too I kept whiffing on <laughs> I, kept, who? I, I mean you know that
0: just because they're they're athletic right and yeah. you know as um I think the Big East is underrated this year yeah so you know um I, I think that's that's kind of a team you got to watch out for um but but you know when it comes down to it you, those type of teams the the they have to shoot the ball well, yeah. And they they can't they, they can't turn the ball over, right? Yeah. There's so much. There's so little room for error. Um, with, with those with those teams, that that one little false step, you're playing. You know, you're you're, you're fighting an uphill battle.
1: Absolutely. So you know, and we're gonna get um here. Uh, we'll be setting it up over the next couple of weeks. We have a big show on Bracket Sunday that it's going to cover multiple websites and we haven't promoted it enough. And I'm going to get it out more this week, but we'll be live as the brackets are being revealed, Chappy. And one of the things we're going to do at that show at the end of the night, I'm going to have everybody pick their final four and I'm going to have everybody go, this is the team that I'm going to make my bracket buster. So yeah. uh, we'll be live on the air probably for about two hours and uh, it'll be on draft for the upside. It'll be on my normal show site, the D. Swain and Below show site. Probably just going to throw it on your Facebook while we're there. So we're, we're oh, excited yeah. about that. It's really going to be something special. We have you. We have a former rider, Rods Mehta, from Rivals. We have the best handicapper I know and a guy named Robbie Davis. And we have a few guests that's going to show up along the way. Nice. Uh, might, might even have somebody showing up from draft from the upside before it's over with.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'd love to get uh, Jonathan Danger Cole or Lou Landers or, or you know. Somebody um, so, to call, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it could be fun. So, you yeah. Um, know, yeah, I want to move on. I want to talk talk some other sports. But anything else you want to contribute or mention before we
1: move on from college basketball? Anything you're looking forward to coming up? Yo, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I just one quick blurb, and we forgot about it. I love ladies basketball. I I, I absolutely love it, love it, love it, love it. And uh, one of my dear friends uh, in the world is head coach at North Carolina State. Uh, My realtor, the house I sit in, his wife sold it it to me. Uh, Tennessee will make the tournament. North Carolina State's ranked fourth right now. I am so looking forward to that. So let's not sleep on the women's basketball tournament. It's going to be a great one, too.
0: Yeah, I, I I gotta be honest with you. I'm not. I, that's not my thing. I know WVU is doing pretty well, but you know they are. I, 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 yeah, they're
1: they're actually one of my sleeper teams. So
0: okay, yeah, I know they got a guard who's doing really well. So yep. Um, but but yeah, no, it's it's fun this time of year. Um, I, I always kind of look at it from the the basketball baseball perspective. Um, so you know l- let's let's not mess around. Let's talk let's talk some baseball. Let's go. I, you know, I talked a lot about the middle infield position tonight. Oh. Um, one guy I didn't mention that I, I when I called into your guys' show earlier, I talked about specifically. Um, you know, he's he's really he's the second third second baseman off the board. Um, he's he's one of your Braves. Um, what are your thoughts about Aussie Albies going into the year?
1: I, I'm it, really excited about Aussie. Uh, I think last year was bad for him. I mean. He had a decent year, but Ozzy and uh, Kuna are these guys that go and play in uh, winter ball. And they did not play a lot of baseball at into the, the year. And it took Ozzy a little bit to get excited, get, get started last year. Uh, I think Ozzy is really in for a good year this year. I also think the Braves need to do Ozzy a little favor and not move him around in the lineup as much. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I I think Ozzy may be. Everyone knows who he is. I think this may be his breakout year. I've been looking for that year that Ozzy, that the world says, "Oh, it's Acuna, Freeman, and Ozzy." And uh, I really think I'm excited for Ozzy this year.
0: So, so let me ask you this, Randall: What's a breakout year for Ozzy?
1: Ozzy uh, You know where I think he breaks out? I think he's got to hit better. He's got to hit for average. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable with Ozzy hitting 25 home runs. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not expecting Ozzy to hit 45 or 50. What I'd like to see Ozzy do is get on base, uh, and the old thing about hey, you know, produce some doubles, create offense with your legs too, and also there's room for Ozzy to play a little better defense too. I think sometimes the Braves ask a lot of him on defense. Uh, he's playing between Freeman and. Swanson, and not the big range guys. Uh, I would like to, I think Ozzy's got a, I think Ozzy could be a 300 hitter in best case scenario. And at 300 with 25, breakout to me.
0: So, I, I see a little bit more than that, Randall. Really? Yeah. I, I, I see Albies being, I, so, a couple years back, saw so him here in Indy. On the same field with quite a few talented players: um, Austin Riley, um, Tyler Glass. Now, uh, Cabr- no Hayes wasn't there yet. It was uh, it was Austin Meadows. Um, so, some pretty significant names at that game. Ozzy Albies had the best bat of any of them.
1: He's got a great bat.
0: Uh, His approach to play is really disciplined. I think you said it, OBP, get on base, work walks. Uh, 295 he hit in
1: 2019. I look for at least a 20-point raise in that average this year. Anything north of 310 would, to me would make him elite.
0: So the the 352 OBP, I said it at 8 o'clock. Top 10 last year cut off at 360-something. Right. So just outside of the top 10 in the league. I want to see Ozzy Albies in the top 10 in OBP this year.
1: That would be a nice place for him to go.
0: So you're talking about a 30-point jump in his OBP. From 352 up to 380. So let's talk. go ahead. No, just want to put a bow on that, that part of it. Want to guess what his OP was last year?
1: Oh, I'm gonna be way wrong. Uh it's fine. 345. 306. Ah. Uh, I knew he struggled at times yeah. last year.
0: 306. Batting average fell to 270. So his batting average fell 24
1: points. His OPP fell almost 50 points.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, he he got a uh, uh, really that statement about those kids, those Acunas and Albies and those, those Latin American kids, they play a lot of baseball. And COVID was tough on them.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Now, I, I, I say that, Randall, only to set up the positive. I think as a 22 year old, it's unreal. You know, Who hit 295 with a 352 OBP? That can't be his best. No. There has to be more than that. 24 homers, 102 runs, and 86 RBIs. Last full season they played as a 22 year old. Stole 15 bases. I talked about speed earlier. There's not a whole lot of second basemen out there that are going to steal you 15-plus bases. No. Certainly not to give you the rest of those numbers.
1: Mm-mm.
0: So if Ozzy Albies has a breakout year, and a breakout year being adding 20 points to the batting average, getting up to 30 homers, I'll set the bar a little bit higher. All right. He's at twenty-four and twenty-four the last two four two full years. I don't think that's unreasonable. As a twenty-one and a twenty-two year old.
1: Okay. I can I can live with that.
0: So if he hits three fifteen with thirty homers and steal
1: say he only steals ten bases. Is Ozzy Albies a first round pick? He is to me because the one category we didn't talk about you kind of brushed by. Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Ozzy's going to score a lot of runs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh yeah, Ozzy Osborne. <laughs> Telling you, I've been on the air a lot tonight. That's okay. Uh, I, it's a high, you know, I've, I, I I debated this too. It's funny you asked that question because I've been trying to slot Ozzy in my draft. Yeah. And I've already promised you guys that I am going, a couple of years ago we played in the league, my, my goal was to gather all the Braves. Right, because I wanted to have fun. Right, I'm struggling with word of slot, Ozzy. Uh, I think I come into the uh, I came into this as a late second, early third, but he's moved up twice in my personal board. Yeah, um, you know I don't think the Braves are going to ask as much of him this year either. Uh, as far as I think he can relax a little bit. Uh, with Azuna apartment, a zona apartment at part of this lineup. Uh, and, you know, I think that's going to be key to him. I also think Austin Riley's development, as we've talked right. about, right, is another key to have that guy behind him that can drive him home. So what's the top end for runs, Chappie? Can he score oh. 100? Oh, he's done. He, yes. Who? Uh, uh, well, yeah. 100? I'll be
0: disappointed if he doesn't. Hundred twenty, I think hundred twenty is a lot. Now you're talking about you're talking about a position where a hundred runs is a hundred runs is big. Yeah, um, I mean, you know that it, it, it's it, it's not it's not like RBIs in right. that that you don't have this mass amount of players who I, I love statistics, man. <laughs> I love statistics. There's so much fun to talk about, but but so. When you when you look at runs leaders and you look at – so let's go back to 2019 and let's talk about RBIs versus runs and let's use 100 as our threshold. Right? All right. Um, give me one second and let me get this information pulled up so we can talk about it properly. So the, you're going to find that there's a lot more volume – and so <laughs> it, it's interesting to me. So when you're talking about draft strategy, you have to weight your value. So it's easy to group home runs and stolen bases and runs at yeah. RPS, right? It, they kind of go together. So when you're talking about that, fewer fewer players are going to score 100 runs than will hit hundred RBI or driving drive in a hundred runs. Agreed. Right. Yeah. So so when you look at it, um you have to you have to value runs more heavily than you do BIS. <laughs> yes. Um so statistically speaking, and, and of course I'm having a hard time getting this pulled
1: up. I usually and, have these hyperlinked out, but and runs is a category to me that you draft a team around. If you're looking for runs, you—I uh, mean, I like a team. Like the reason I like Aussie is who hits behind Aussie as much as anything. You could have great players who have little support that will be shockingly low on runs. Would it shock you to hear one year? I had a team lead a roto team lead the league at home runs, and we finished ninth in run scored. It's it's a really hard category too, to get covered in your fantasy baseball.
0: Well, because it's not always repeatable. You're absolutely right. There, the lineups construct has a lot to do with it, right? Yeah. <sighs> um, you know, so when you're talking about, I think I finally got here. When you're talking about run score,
1: Randall. Yes. Is it not working for you there, bud? I, it's just doing what the heck
0: it wants. I need to, I need to uh, update my computer. Uh, so, anyway, the, there were 28 players that scored 100 runs in the 2019, the last full okay. season we had. Okay. Okay there were 22 that scored RBIs this is going to this might prove me out wrong brother really yeah this might prove me out wrong and this is this speaks to doing your homework okay so let's th- let's move up to 110 i i it's I love fun it. be, it's fun being wrong we learn so RBIs 110 there were I'd 14 say, okay Sorry, I didn't let you guess. I'll let you guess runs.
1: How many runs?
0: 110
1: run scores. I'm going to say it switched at that point. I'm going to say 16.
0: 12. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll bump it up. How many runs scored? How many players scored over 120 runs? And in, in uh, the last full season, twenty nineteen.
1: You know, and that number is kind of sacred. It's in my big. Head. It's big. I'm gonna say less than five. What about RBIs? Uh I will. I'll take. I'll take the other side of five. Maybe six. Nope.
0: Opposite. Yeah. This this is fun to do, right? So so four players had 120 RBIs. You want to know him? I guess I should go back to that. In 2019, 120 right. RBIs. Anthony Rendon had 126.
1: That would have been the one I would never got.
0: And, or, Jose Abreu had 123. Yeah. Freddie Freeman had 121. And Pete Alonso had 120. All of those guys are... Corner infielders. infielders. Corner infield. They played third and first. Corner infos. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: So let's move. On. Let's go. Let's go to run. 120 runs. You said how many? I
1: five. said uh, less than five. So four. It less than five. There were six. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mookie Betts had 135 runs in 2019.
1: That's the reason he's the probably the clear second pick.
0: The, those are pretty gaudy numbers. Wow.
1: Rafael Devers
0: was second <laughs> my, with my 129 God, runs. 129, 129 Sorry. runs. Sorry, Rafael. <laughs> Acuna, 127, was third. Which makes sense. Semien was fourth with 123. He's moved. Yeah. Bregman with 122. And Belliger with 121.
1: Really? Wow.
0: Okay. Think about that list. Think about where those players play.
1: Corner, corner. Outfield,
0: Outfield, corner, outfield,
1: middle. Middle,
0: Bregman plays short and third, right? So he yeah. can qualify both. And then you got Bellinger, who's a weird first-base outfielder. Yeah.
1: You got a lot of
0: outfielders there, right?
1: Yeah. Acuna. You know,
0: Betts, but,
1: yeah. Acuna. Acuna. And they're kind of sitting atop of uh, very potent lineups. So when you said Bellinger, that's what got me, is that Betts and Bellinger was on it. I really – that's hard to conceive. That goes to speak to how many runs the Dodgers can score.
0: Well, I mean, so this this is still when bets was Betts was
1: in yeah. okay, yeah. yes. Okay, yeah, it what wasn't last
0: year. It was yeah. You've only no, said you're, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're 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 right though. That's why that was such a big sign, right? Wow. So so just I want to do one more exercise because I think it speaks to speed. Right, I think it speaks to scarcity, and I'm go- I'm gonna work the other way. Okay, there were no 50 stolen base players in
1: 2019.
0: No. How many 40 stolen base players do you think they were?
1: Two. There were three. Okay, I, I got two of them in my head. So who? Well, I know in 19, uh, Acuna. And uh, I cannot remember this guy's name. Uh, Mondesi? Mondesi was in there. Akuna was
0: sitting fourth with 37. Okay. But then I had two. I only had one. Ma- on. Malik Smith had 46. Malik Smith. Malik Smith. Blast from the past. Yeah. Um. Hit a robust 227. Yeah. Well, I That's saw that. That's not paying the bills. Right? Yeah. An OBP of 300. Alberto Mondesi. 43 That's, stolen bases. 291 average. No, excuse me. 263 average. Okay. A little different. Yeah. 291 OBP. Radle. Yeah. Two, so he had a worse on-base percentage in 2019 than Malik Smith did.
1: Yeah, he don't walk a lot.
0: 25 times in the last two years he's walked.
1: Wow. And you would think somebody with that steals ability would be a walk machine. So I,
0: I, I'm, I have mixed emotions on, on Mondesi. Well, the speed is very intriguing. To me, he screams Billy Hamilton. True. If he can't get on base, they got this guy. I don't know if you've heard about him. Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. He's not going to be there.
1: long. Yeah, it's uh, first I'm not hitting 263. Bobby Witt is just pushing the major leagues down.
0: Immediately, right? Yeah,
1: and I've I've wondered to myself if Bobby Witt or Mondesi could move positions. But really, I think they're both pretty much shortstops by trade. And with shortstop being such a high-value position, could you get more from Mondesi on the open market, you know? Can I make a bold prediction? Yeah. Alberto Mondesi's out of the league in three years. I would not doubt it. It, it bothers me, those guys. Uh, they Taking a walk is a lost art. Yeah. I mean, Ricky Henderson got to 1,500 steals by walking a lot. And nobody at the top of the order is Ricky Henderson anymore. So, uh, you know, you think about Lou Brock took walks. That art of taking that walk as a leadoff guy is just dead. You know, take it, take it. If they're going to walk you, take it. Yeah. And, and you know, I think so.
0: That's that's where some of these players. These there's a lot of young people, young players on this list. So I haven't, I haven't gotten to a coon. I haven't gotten to you know that. So I, I'll get to my point. Thirty to forty, right? Let's yep. look at the names on that list. Seven. There's seven of them. Okay. Kristen Yelich had thirty. Yeah. Gerard Dyson had thirty. Wow. Elvis Andrews had 31. Uh, Trey Turner had 35. Acuna had 37. Is it just me or are those players better than the ones above them? They are. So maybe it's not worth having that top end speed. If you can get one of these guys that are going to give you good speed and not kill you in the other categories, that's the art of strategy, right?
1: Right. That's where... I've learned to embrace the Trey Turners of the world. Uh, you know, you, you just, how many categories does a player hit? That's kind of a test for me too. If that player's hitting steals, runs, uh, and power, you gotta move him up. Uh, I've actually moved Trey Turner since our last conversation from outside of my top 10 to number seven on my draft list. Yeah. And that's my personal list, but I think that's where you'd find him on most draft lists now.
0: Well, and I know you guys did your show tonight. So I I spent about 20 minutes on Trey Turner tonight. And and, uh, 8.6 is his current ADP.
1: So question to you, Chappie, you're my baseball guy, elite pitcher or Trey Turner?
0: Trey Turner. Okay. And, you know, the, the reason being, um, as I stated tonight, you're, you're not going to win. You're, you're putting an awful lot of pressure on your outfield if you're asking them to get all your stolen bases. Yeah, true. Or all your home runs for that matter, right? But it's really important when you're talking about there's virtually no stolen bases on the corner. So if you want any stolen base production, you have to get it from the middle. Yes. Now, you could go out and get a Jonathan VR. You can go out and get a Bear T from uh, Miami. The problem with that is there's big donut holes they give you in other categories. Yeah. Fernando Tatis shouldn't be a 3.2 ADP. He is overrated. I love him as a player that is too high. There's three first-round shortstops. Turner's the second and Story's the third. I said tonight those are the two that you need to target Mm -hmm. because the ADP is of value there. I put both of those guys above your elite pitchers.
1: Would, you can get it you can get an equivalent pitcher on the turn you can't get another trade turn that was going to be the exact question is the tier so big yeah i mean cuz i mean, i mean i'm hey guys you can take some draft strategy i i've really locked in on second that second and third round pitcher um yeah. and i really think that i want to come out of the first round with an elite back and then Of course, if you're on the backside of the first round, it's a little easier to do that. Uh, But I still think even in the front side, if you get an Acuna or a Soto, there's going to be enough pitching in that second round, second, third round, to feel comfortable that you could come back with.
0: And and, and, I mean, you know, so I, I, I will say, obviously, you have to put, I put Soto first. I go Soto, then Acuna, then Betts. Um, but then, Trout fourth. After that, I'm putting all three of these um, these shortstops next. So I'm not going pitcher until at least eight. That's me. I yeah. put those eight players. So Soto, Acuna, Betts, Tatis, Turner, Story. That's one through seven for me, or one through six for me. And I know Cole. I'm miss. I know I'm missing. So- I know I'm missing uh, somebody at the corner. But yeah. I- that's last week,
1: <laughs> but I mean, your point's well taken. And right now, uh, I think it's sixth in my list is Cole, and then seven it would be Trey Turner. But on draft day, it would be hard for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm not taking. Up. I'm not
0: taking Cole over Turner.
1: Yeah, I'm not, be hard.
0: I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing. It. And i I'm, I'm not taking Cole over Story. I, I'm just not doing it. I, I mean, you want to talk about a guy, you know. Thirty-five, twenty. Who hits a two-eighty? No, I'm not passing him up. Right. I'll get the pitcher on the way back. Right. Give me Degrom on the way back. Give me Scherzer on the way back. Give me, you know, um, some of those other guys on the way out. I'm fine with that. But you know me, I'm a little arrogant too. I well, like to, I like thought... I, I like to go out and get my myself a. AJ puck or a Jesus Lizardo or shows Shohei Otani and just kind of laugh at everybody that let them slip, you know, that's yeah. me though.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if I was, I, I, I've really come full circle on Turner and, uh, uh, and story's always kind of been there, but, uh, I, I, I had pitchers slot at fifth and sixth at one point. I think they're moving back to six and seven at probably seven and eight
0: now. Yeah. I, well, you know, you just you, you don't get the complete player later. That that's the whole point, right? Yeah. There's big holes. Well once, and, you, once you get past that first elite tier.
1: And what's a past that elite tier, the I mean the next tier, they're all got a little like I am the biggest Freddie Freeman fan in the world. Right. But there's a reason he's a early second round draft pick. He's gonna hit all the power quarter. he's gonna hit average. He ain't going to steal, you know, bases. He's not going to score a whole lot of runs compared to one of the more complete players. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's once after there there's going to be one category that most everybody else is going to be short in. Well, and you know
0: I, the the other so the other parts of that is right. So you can try and catch lightning in a bottle. I talked about Bo Bichette tonight, right. That guy who's on the verge.
1: You're not allowed to draft Bo Bichette, by the way. I, I, I mean,
0: <laughs> it, it's funny. It, and, again, I know you've heard me say this. I, I, I self-pat myself on the back all the time over this. I, I said from when they were 18 and 19 years old, Bo Bichette was going to be a better baseball player than Vladimir Guerrero. It was never meant to be a slight on Vladimir Guerrero. I just think Bo Bichette to me looks a lot like an improved version of Fernando Tatis Jr.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's my number one target uh, for for that round, that area of the draft. Uh, I also think Vlad Jr. has still got Mm -hmm. he's still got some. He's Vlad Jr. has got more to work on than Bo Bichette at this point. And, and Vlad Jr. gets to chasing pitches just like his dad did. So uh, the plate discipline in the Guerrero family have never been uh, the Well,
0: so I'll challenge you a little bit on that. So first off, I don't know if you, know, you knew this or not, lost 42 pounds in the off season. He's been playing in the Dominican Winter Leagues all winter. So he's really in the groove.
1: Think he's going to have a great year, but I still think. But shout out, absolutely. But I, I,
0: my point is, I think this time next year they're both top twenty-four picks, both of them.
1: So, not a bad strategy to have both corners, huh?
0: Well, I, and you know, I mean, so if you're looking, if you're looking at Vladimir this year, I'm, I'm trying to get to him. He is a 53 ADP. You're you're talking about a 22-year-old who is just breaking camp with the big league team for the first time in his career. He's got 183 games under his belt. He's kind of walking that line of, hey, I'm still really young, but I've been here. Right. I know what to expect. I really look for big things out of Vladimir Guerrero, And I, I'll tell you, I see a big jump in his batting. At he jumps from a two sixty-two to over a three hundred hitter this year.
1: And if he does that, then you are absolutely right. Um, I was disappointed in the 262. I had him on a team in that year. And, you know, so when you have him, a player on your team, you watch a little more. I just saw some rookie at bats with him that year. And, and, you know, it's going to get better. So one thing
0: about, and I say this about all um, Caribbean players, You have to expect them to start slow. True. So you go back and you look at Guerrero's first full year, the only full year, his rookie year, and it wasn't a full year. He played 123 games. He hit in the first first 61 games of the season, he hit 249. He hit eight homers, 25 RBIs. The second half of the season – <clears throat> he hit 293, Randall. That's a 50 point jump.
1: I would have never Almost. guessed that. Yeah, that's huge.
0: So the, the homer eight to seven, so one less homer, but he drove in 44 runs compared to 25. You find this? I always said this about Starling Marte. Any any Caribbean player that you get, don't draft the Caribbean player. Trade for a Caribbean pa- player a month into the season. <laughs> a lot of these guys are notorious slow starters, and you get why, right? Yeah. You know, for years and years, Tony Martay trying to come up and play at Pittsburgh at the confluence when he's used to ninety-two degree weather. It's an unreasonable ass. Yeah. So I, I yeah I, I'm all in on Vladimir. I think he he. If he hit thirty homers and bat, batted three hundred this year, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: So, are you in on Toronto as the team with their free agents, too?
0: Oh, I, yeah, um, and not just the free agents. They, they, you know, their prospects. Just it's a well-run organization. It is. They might be the best team in the East.
1: That, that was going to be the next question.
0: Yeah, I, I still think the Yankees have it by a nose just because their pitching's a little bit better. Um, and I'm speaking directly at Jamison Tyon when I say that. He's the key to the Yankees. Um, but the, the, the Blue Jays are really building big things. And they've got two or three pitchers down on the farm. And I'm not talking about Nate Pearson. I, I consider him with the team. Right. That are right at that step, one of them being out. Uh, WV grad Alec Manoa, Simeon Rhodes, Woods Richardson's another one who is right there, ready to go. The, you know, <laughs> Lourdes Curiel is another one. You know, when you want to talk about players who are underappreciated, Randall, and you know I'm a big fan of his, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think people fully appreciate the lineage that he has. How good his dad was, his namesake. Um, you know, when when they first came over here and um, they were asking Yuli how good his brother was and you know about his talents, Yuli said from a very early on on here when he came stateside that he was the better player of
1: the two. It's amazing, isn't it?
0: I don't think we're given Yuli or. Lord, as enough credit.
1: That could be a – I mean, I kind of said on the air on the other show, uh, I like Toronto's chances in the east. I really do. Yeah. So – and also, have you uh, just – it's uh, – I got to ask why they attracted uh, free agents. If you've never been to Toronto, you would know why. It's a beautiful city. Yeah. It's an huge. awesome. huge, yeah. And I'm I mean taxes. Of course, there's exchange rate problems, but you're also looking at the U S across the, the city. So it's not, I think sometimes Montreal was hard for the players. To it's out to. there, right? It's out yeah. there. Yeah. And, and a lot, you know, 50% of the Montreal, uh, French Canadians, uh, French is still Toronto is, is a, a big city, great vibe, is money. Everywhere. They got money, man.
0: That's why people go to Toronto because they got money. And I'll tell you what, right now, the Rogers is fun to hit at.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know they
0: haven't been there, right? But the Rogers Center is a fun place for a hitter to go hit. Absolutely. It's but that, be- you know you know, you look at that young lineup, that's 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 a team and that you know, I wore my my Toronto stuff a couple weeks ago. You look at Kevin Biggio, you look at uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., you look at Bo Bichette, you look at Lourdes Guerrero, and you look at George Springer now. That's a tough lineup to pitch around. Yeah, agreed. And, again, just to drive the point home, Lourdes Guerrero's ADP, you want to guess it? Uh, 120.
1: Mm-mm.
0: 88. <sighs> I I did that on purpose. I set you up. I apologize, my friend.
1: No, I I actually – you want to know where he's at on my list? Because I'm looking Mm. at it. Yeah. 56.
0: Yeah, and and, and I I did that on purpose because I I think it speaks to the baseball industry wising up to him, okay? Um, Because, you know, he's – again, he's Cuban, slow starter, People gave up on him year before last, right? Yep. But the but the who's who, the people who are paying attention, they
1: realize how good this kid is. We had that conversation. You had him on our our, our fantasy league, oh. and you were like, <laughs> "You look like an idiot the first month, and then yeah. a genius." And so, I mean, yeah. I,
0: funny story. I don't know if you remember the particulars of that. I cut them.
1: Did I you? cut them
0: because they sent them down, and I couldn't put them on my minor steam, Randall. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we have this fab budget, right? And it was wonky. I set it up wrong. But you could go and, like, bid somebody and bid somebody up. So there was, like, a two-hour period where you can, like, dollar up someone, right? So I ended up spending, like, half my wad on Lourdes Guriel, who I drafted. And the other guy was um, Bo Naylor in San Diego. I spent like almost $400 of my fab budget on those two players. Right. But I rationalized it on air because it was one of those – I had to let him go. He was in the minor leagues. He wasn't I, – I, I couldn't afford the empty roster spot. But then when he came back up, I knew he was going to get hot. And I just didn't feel there was another player that was going to make that much of a difference that I couldn't play without. And he did well.
1: He came up and did well. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Folks are going to get a lot of fun with us talking about our home league this year (laughs) and the movements that happen. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: It's going to be a little different, right? There's a little bit of shift to it, but um, you know, I, I keep trying to bring on quality people. Um, Rich Daniels from Six Four Three is playing with us this year. Try, try to keep bringing in podcasters because you know I, I like playing against the competition. Um, but but no, it's you know it, it's interesting. Everybody's got everybody's got a little bit different take on things, and sometimes it comes off looking really wonky, and you come out looking like a genius. Sometimes comes out looking really wonky, and you look like an idiot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and with a dynasty league, if you draft wrong, you can look like an idiot for several years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot, Byron Buxton. <laughs> yeah.
1: See you later, Tukey Constant.
0: Well, yeah, I don't think you're coming back from that one. I'll tell you, at least with uh, with Buxton, I think you might be looking a little bit of a post-hype sleeper there.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, Buxton. I, I I looked at his ADP the other day, yeah. and I mean he's uh, he's coming around. Well, I, I mean he had a good
0: year last year. Um, he, he's he's got to show me something. I, I've spent way too much, spent way too much capital on him, um, over the course of his career. I'm gonna let someone else take that that headache.
1: It's not well, gonna be me. Uh, You, you, you're the first guy that put, uh, put us on, uh, some pitchers that are now even three years ago, you had a good beat on what the next wave of pitchers were going to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like, you know, when you look at a guy like Shane Bieber, when you look at a guy like, um, Trevor Bauer, to me, the analytics part, like understanding the craft of pitching is the big part of it. Right. Anybody can go up there and throw hard. In this day and age, you got to know how to place the ball and how to work off of pitching, right, how to work off of each pitch. And that, to me, is a craft. Um, So, you know, uh, it's fun. I I enjoy looking at these guys. I've been wrong plenty, Randall. I mean, you know that. Uh, Um, We all are. I'll tell you, you know, did you hear Shoei Otano sitting 97 on the radar gun? Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean – there's a guy right there, especially in a league like we're playing in, um, where you can use him both as a pitcher and as a fielder, or a hitter rather. He, his ADP um, might be really off. That's what I think. Um, I'm trying to get to him here.
1: So, the uh, one other question I had for you, Chappie. Well, I knew we were going to talk baseball, and it's in my notes, but, I mean, now I dropped try- What's up with the Dodgers' closure situation? I mean, is, is Jensen really in trouble there, or is it just people making a bunch of hype about nothing?
0: You know, I mean, the thing about the thing about Jensen—he, um, I, I was listening the other day to someone was saying this. He's the only pitcher who's recorded thirty saves in the last three years. The only one, right?
1: I thought, and I think a sure thing until I was reading articles today.
0: Um, you know the, the thing about the, the thing about them is they've just got they've got so many starters they're just gonna have to find places for these guys to fit in and that's where um, it might jeopardize some of his some of his opportunities really? um, you know you look at you look at a guy like Dustin Matt, right? who's in essence right now your sixth or seventh starter. Correct. Um, Throwing 100 miles an hour. What's stopping you from putting him back there and seeing what he brings to the table? Nothing. Uh, Greater all is another one. You look at what that kid is capable of doing, what he has done at a young age. Um uh, uh, closing is about dominating stuff, right? I don't think Jensen has that dominating stuff yet.
1: Well, I was gonna say Grill in the uh you know, and I, I'm a rays fan, as we've talked about. He might have been the MVP of the NLCS. Right. He was so dominating and coming in and just shedding. I mean, he was unhittable in the in 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 the league championship series. Right. So you got that? Oh, Tony, uh, ADP? No,
0: I, you you got me looking at the Dodger bullpen. So uh, other guys oh, in man. the Dodger bullpen, um, Blake Trinan saved a lot of games in Oakland, right? Um, yep. Tommy Conley. I'll know him from his White Sox games or days. Joe Kelly from the from the Red Sox. He's been with them for a while. Uh, Dennis Santana is someone who's interesting. I, he's pretty pretty hard thrower. Um, I, 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 <laughs> the one that I keep coming back to, and I keep talking about him, um, Josiah Gray. Uh, to me. I wonder where he fits in because he, they're calling him the best arm in the Dodger organization. Something tells me they force him into the end of the in into the fold somehow. And it might be at the back end of that bullpen.
1: Yeah. Um, and he, uh, boy, that is a great arm. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just ridiculous how rich they are in pitching right now.
0: It's about development, Randall. It's about development. But but so okay, to put a bow on that and then I'll move back to Otani. To me, there's two clear choices in the in the on the major league team right now. And it's Greaterall and it's May. Okay. If I'm the Dodgers, if I'm Roberts, I'm not moving Jansen off for Conley or for one of those other guys. Even yeah, Trinan. I'm moving him off for one of these pitchers that have elite stuff. Dominating. And that's greater all and it's May. Yeah. Great Greater is closer than May, in my opinion. May doesn't have any movement on his pitches. I don't care if you're throwing 130 miles an hour, if you're throwing a straight pitch, major league batters are gonna catch up to it.
1: Absolutely. And we've seen that from people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So to me great greater all seems like the, the, the closest thing. With May a close second.
1: And and is that one of the late rounds you throw a dart at a board and hope you get it right and just Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, yeah. I, especially well. in a deep league, right? Especially in a deep league.
1: Because you're going to get strikeouts if you get nothing else. Right.
0: Right. And you're going to be in good leverage position, right? You're going to get spot starts, especially in that lineup or in that rotation. Right. So let's pivot just a touch. I want to guess where Otani's ADP is. Give me a high and a low. I got five averages here ESPN, Yahoo, RT Sports, NFBC.
1: 144 on the low side, 180 on the high side. It's really close. So ESPN has them at
0: 135. Okay. NFBC has them at 230.
1: Averaged out at 186. I And again, I think I'm probably low. Because I'm thinking in dynasty form, and I'm also thinking about, you know, Yahoo will not let you use right using yep. in both. There's actually yep. two different players, so uh, in a league where you can have him both ways, I, I think you're real low. Oh,
0: absolutely. I I I was that was the point I was going to make. If you have daily moves, one eighty six is about fifty points too
1: low. Yeah, absolutely. 12-team league, you're talking 10th round. If you really want to get him, ninth, 10th round.
0: But let me let me dress it this way. Players around him at 184. Okay. Right above him. Craig Kimbrell, Trevor Rosenthal, Cliff Frazier, Nick Solak, Jake Cronenworth. Mm, right no. below. Right below him, Gene Segura, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Savalli, James McCann.
1: Maybe two of those players I'd like on my team, but none of them over Otani.
0: So let me put him in here and tell me if he fits better here. Cabrian Hayes. D.D. Gregorius, Sandy Alcantara, Ramon Laureano.
1: Fits nice right there. I would think two of those players. Hold on. I want to go
0: below. (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead. Below that, Jorge Jorge Soler, Marco Gonzalez, Kirby Yates, Gary Sanchez.
1: Marco Gonzalez is the one name I went uh, you, of course, I'm really high on Marco Gonzalez, but yeah, that sounds like his neighborhood. Yeah, I, 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 I would take Otoni over Kirby Yates. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. all day long. Yeah. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, of all the players you mentioned, is the one guy that I. Well,
0: I think you're crazy.
1: <laughs> I, Am I the first person to say you're crazy random? No, not not tonight. <laughs> if you didn't see our show, we've done the top fifty SEC players of all time. I got called dirty names. <laughs> Isn't there a pastor? Uh yeah. But you got yeah. called dirty names by pastors? No, the pastor didn't call me dirty names. We got some ruthless <laughs> listeners though. Don't ever leave a Georgia player off your list. <laughs>
0: So, so let, let me tell you the name, and then I want to go, so we're, we're right in the 149.
1: Uh, Cabrion Hayes, we know oh. what we both think of him. Yeah. So.
0: But he's not the name I want to talk about here. Can you give me one good darn reason why Jorge Soler is at 153? No, I, none.
1: <laughs> none. <coughs> I, I mean, uh, Other okay. than people don't know about him.
0: Okay, I get that he's had some injury troubles, right? But – and I'm pulling this up to verify this. He's played – you know, he's – well, he played 43 games last year. He played 162 games in 2019. Yeah, I don't get it. You're talking about a guy who has 50 overpower pretty easily. It's kind of the same thing I said about uh, Suarez last week. You don't power's one yeah. thing. Elite power is something totally different. And
1: I think you have elite power with there I think so, too. I'm trying to think where he fits in that lineup. How's that lineup slot? He oh, it's behind I mean, him.
0: Well... I I know Hunter Dozier's one of them.
1: That's what I was who, thinking. He would be Who yeah. I lo- I love Hunter
0: Dozier. Um let me look it up real quick. Uh, you know, the the thing about Kansas City they they're, they're one of those teams um, that do things their own way. Absolutely. So maybe their maybe their lineups not going to look the way you would expect. You know what I mean? The way yeah. um, uh, a, a normal uh, or the prospects, gonna, yeah, it, it, they do it differently, right? It's not going so to look like the New York Yankees. Okay, so I have it here. They they signed they signed Carlos Santana in the off season, which I love. I like. I like. You know, that allows them to move Hunter Dozier to the outfield. Um, they traded for Andrew Benintendi. Um, I, you know, they keep going back to Nicky Lopez at second, but they still have Whit Mer- Merrifield listed at, at, as the backup there. Right. Um, to me, Benintendi is interesting,
1: right? Yeah, I, I mean – for what I thought you would say about Kansas City, that's a much better lineup when you hear yeah. it yeah. than you think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, 50 and, uh, well, let's say it's 40. And on right. that lineup, yeah, exactly. uh, 100, 10 RBIs, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a good value, right? It is.
0: So, anybody else stick out in that that area? I want to wrap up, but I want to try and move up a little bit and do this same exercise Uh, a little further up. Not not as much as layer. Okay. I'm out on Cabrian Hayes here, for the record. Not that I don't like him. I'm just – there's too low of a floor for me to be in at this price point on Cabrian Hayes. So – Again, we're talking about Shohei Ohtani as a two-way player. And we're trying to fit him in as a two-way player in his appropriate place. So we moved him from 180 to 150. We think he fits in a lot better at 150. Let's move him up to 130. Okay, Another 20 spots. And I'm putting him right there where Tommy Pham sits. Right above Tommy Pham is Will Myers. I like Otani. Sixto Sanchez. I like Otoni. Patrick Corbin. Like Alex Otoni. Verdugo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let me go what? below. Okay. Joe Musgrove. Marcus Simeon, Michael Brantley. Your boy Travis
1: Darnett. Uh, fits- fit in there? He fits in better right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Verdot, but I mean, in my Did head, yeah, in my head, it's not. Move him down another 20. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean,
0: so, so, okay, we'll do that. We'll go down to 110. And I, let's go 10, because I think okay. when we get to that 110, I think we're talking about a different tier player. But right. I think you have a good point. Let's put him at 120. So we've moved him up from 186 to 120. 120, you're sitting here looking at Byron Buxton. Kenley Jansen, Mike Yastrzemski, Julio Urias. That is a spot. Wilson Contreras Palom is Grandal, Carlos Correa,
1: Mike Moustakas. That's the spot. I would. I, I, I want Mestakas before I want a Tony. I mean, yeah, that's the spot, though. Yeah. It, yeah, he's in that mix to me. If you're telling me I get both, both sides of him, he's right. he's there.
0: So you're talking about a one
1: eighty six point eight,
0: all the way up to a value, our determined value of right around one
1: twenty. Wow. So we've moved him up six, eight rounds.
0: But that th- this, is the, this is the takeaway from doing this exercise, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Right. How many players are you going to play against that are going to sit there and go right off this list and not do any
1: research? A lot, especially yeah. if you're in just your buddy league.
0: Yeah. So doing this exercise with these guys and knowing the format of your league goes a long long way towards optimizing your team. If you know you have Shohei Otani slotted 50 spots below where he's supposed to go,
1: you can feel confident taking him early. That's, uh, that's true. And there's still value. You're going to have value Absolutely. down there. Absolutely. You know, just a little tip for the first-time players. Get to your draft early. Fill your queue up with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Have them there where you want them. Yeah. One of the greatest things I do for fantasy football, and my expertise is more fantasy, and I'm trying to learn. Uh, you can come along with me if you're watching the show and learn with me because I said on the air tonight, you challenged me to be a better Baseball man, uh, Chappie. But I write, I, I take my sleepers list and I write it out and I'll set it beside my computer if I'm doing an online draft and I write a round beside it. Yeah. And if, yeah. I, if I hit that spot, I draft that player. Yeah. You know, that's how you get Joe Burrow, you know. Yeah. Go ahead and move him up. That's how yeah. you get Showa Tony.
0: Right. Don't
1: be afraid. Just because ESPN says, He's the 180th best player. Don't mean he's 180th best player.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, and that's that's the point, right? So if, if you if you if you really value Jesus Lazardo, 102 is too low. Yeah. Get him at 80. Get him at 70. You know? So um, yeah. hey, this is fun, by, buddy. It always it does. It always does. So yep. um any, any parting shots? Any, <coughs> anything we missed or?
1: No, man, I'm really super excited about baseball season.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, next Saturday, I'm going to a high school game at the local minor league field. My buddy D. Swain's son's playing at it. Awesome. He, he said that tonight, and I realized it's baseball season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited.
0: Uh, I'll tell you. I just had uh, this week. My uh, MOB subscription came through, so. I'm signed up for all the games, um, which I'm excited about. So uh, it's real. It's real, buddy. And, and you know what's real? When you start coming home from work and turning on MLB, MLB Network and seeing uh, seeing real games going on. Oh, so, for real. I love watching these spring training games because you get to see. I'll tell you, I'm really excited to see uh, O'Neal Cruz for the Pirates. Yeah. Um, I, I think you see him right after Super 2. And what a what a young left side of the infield the Pirates are going to have with – with uh, uh, Cruz and 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 Hayes this year, um, people are down on the Pirates. I'm not. Um, you know, I still feel like Kevin Newman has has a good bat there. I'd be interested to see him move over to second and go with that young infield and having uh, Moran and the veteran Todd Frazier platoon at first. That's a pretty good
1: infield. It's a decent infield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see the Braves work their rotation out. Uh, I th- I think everybody feels like they know what. What it looks like, but I'm telling you, there's still a couple of wild cards. Oh yeah, that could, uh, you know, I still like Bla- Blaze in this rotation. I still like Kyle Wright. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things. I, you know, I'm a big fan of D.D. Garcia. I want to see him win that rotation spot. A lot of fun between now and first pitch. No,
0: I'm excited. I'm excited to see Kyle Mueller. I wonder when he gets a chance.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and two, I'm 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 hoping the young catchers. Yeah. Start making their appearances, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to see – I want to see Langoliers. I want to see – I want to see Rashley. I want to see all of them, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you. I mean, I feel like um, both of those guys are ready. But I don't think they're going to see them maybe in September.
1: Yeah, they're – well, for the Braves, he's blocked right now. But, you know, uh, he won injury from not being blocked. I'll tell you right now who I think – you I, and, you know – I
0: I think you see Coteris before you see Langley.
1: Yeah. Well, from what I'm hearing, he may break with the team. I'm kind of yeah. thinking he may may do that. And you know, and that might also be a way of the trade value coming into play. I still bring I still think so. Here's my big shocker prediction for the year. We'll be talking about at the trade deadline. I think the Braves bring in a huge arm yeah. at the trade deadline this year. And I think it involves one of those catchers. Well,
0: and, and and you know, I think if if Contreras breaks camp, he's your everyday catcher.
1: Yeah. I, and that leaves you the luxury of having Jarvis Dernard as your second catcher. And you
0: don't you, you you hang on to him. Yes. Right? You hang on to him and you let him hit. You platoon yep. him with, you know, whatever. Um, but, but I, I think, you know, you're showcasing William Contreras and what he brings to the table. Absolutely. And he brings a lot.
1: Yep. And then you go find that there's a lot of arms out there to be high sunny. To yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: well, all right, was, buddy. Um, uh, sorry. Did I well, go ahead? No,
1: you're just, uh, you started a whole conversation <laughs> with <laughs> that earlier. Tonight.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, and it, you know, it makes sense. If you can make your team better, do it.
1: Yep. <coughs> so, all right, man. Um, parting shots. Nah, nothing, man. It's great. Uh, we'll see y'all next week.
0: Stick right, with man. us. Yeah, next Thursday, ten o'clock. The other angle. Find us on uh, Draft for Upside, iLogic Media, uh, Chappie's Fantasy Sports Group.
1: All kinds of other places. You got any place you want to pub? I just uh that. D. Swain and Belo show Tuesday and Thursday at six thirty to eight o'clock. We're uh, get on. Talk. We're doing uh, the greatest right now of the greats, and right now we just did the top fifty SEC players of all time. Interestingly enough, I'm going to do each school in the SEC's top ten players over the next month.
0: Awesome, awesome. Make sure you tune in for that. Until next time. We'll see y'all later. Thanks for coming. Good night.